The Bible Study Podcast, episode 156. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Acts with chapter 19. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We continue the study of Acts with chapter 19 and Paul arriving in Ephesus again. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. And so Paul is coming back towards Ephesus. It says he's traveling through the interior. That would be the interior of what we'd now call Turkey or Asia Minor. And so he comes across these disciples who have not yet received the word of Jesus, but have been baptized into John's baptism. And this is the second time this happens in Acts. And also then the third time where when people receive Jesus, they do receive this very visible outpouring, this manifestation of the Spirit. Remember, we saw that for the first time with Cornelius and the Gentile believers in chapter 10. And then it continues, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even kerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. So Paul gets quite a chance here to minister in Ephesus, and Ephesus becomes a very important center of the early church because Paul does get quite a lot of time to spend there. And as Luke says in this account, everyone gets a chance in Asia to hear the word of the Lord. When we say Asia, we mean the province of Asia, the Roman province of Asia, which is part of what is modern-day Turkey. And again, he does his typical pattern. He starts in the synagogue until they make a decision, basically until the people there decide that they are going to believe and they want to hear more, or they're not going to believe and they ask Paul to leave. And the other interesting thing, and I like the way that Luke put this, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Luke understood that While Paul's hands may have been performing miracles, while Paul's kerchiefs or aprons may have been performing miracles, it was God who was performing miracles through Paul. And clearly that Luke is aware of this because Paul is making people aware of this. Paul, as we've seen before, is saying, I'm just a man. And Paul is clearly pointing to Jesus and giving the credit to God. And so amazing things are going on, but Paul is not losing track of who is doing the amazing things. And therefore, Luke remembers that as he tells us about it. But even kerchiefs that have touched Paul, when they're taken to the sick, the illnesses are cured and the evil spirits leave them. So really miraculous things are going on and wonderful things are going on here. And Paul is being used by the Holy Spirit in this case. And this continues. Some Jews who went around 
driving out evil spirits, tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish high priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house, bleeding and naked. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. So this is an interesting episode, and we need to understand things, and we need to understand something here, that the name, when we talk about the name in the Bible, the name of someone, the name of God, the name of Jesus, that the way that things were understood at that time is that someone's name was a, I want almost a shorthand for their power. It was in reference to their power. So someone's name did not have power unless they had power. But if they had power, then their name would have power. If you came to someone and said, you should go do this, they may or may not do that. If you came and said, I'm bringing you orders in the name of Caesar to do this, it would get done because that name had power. And so the Jews here who are going around casting out evil spirits hear that Paul is exercising people in the name of Jesus. And so they say, not that they believe in Jesus or that they are Christians, but they say, oh, this is an effective name. This is a powerful name. And therefore, it would have power over the demons, clearly, from what we've seen through Paul. So let's use this because it seems to be effective. And that's really all that they seem to be doing is saying, it's effective for Paul. Let's do use it ourselves. And the demon knows Jesus has seen Jesus, has heard of Paul, but does not know them. And so they get beaten up here by this demon-possessed man, and everyone hears about this. And so we understand that there is something special about the name of Jesus, but we also understand that when Paul is driving out demons, that demons also have power. And that is only because Paul is a servant of this Jesus that that name has power. If I come to tell you to do something in the name of Caesar, but you know I don't work for Caesar, that has no power. It's only when I come in the name of someone, when I come with their power and authority, that that power is transferred to me. And that's why it worked for Paul, but not for them. They're not of Jesus. They are not coming with his name and authority. They're not coming because he has sent them. And so... This becomes clear to people that Jesus has power, that Jesus has authority over these demons, and people believe. And it's interesting that because of this, the name of Jesus is held in high honor. And so people start thinking about what they have done. Uh, And it doesn't say that Paul is preaching to them, you should come and burn your scrolls for sorcery. It doesn't say anything that is going on. This is not a a book burning in the sense of somebody deciding that these are all the things that you shouldn't do. But it is instead people saying, I realized when I looked at my life that there were things in my life that were inconsistent with this faith I had. 
And sorcery is definitely inconsistent. The Bible in the Old Testament especially is very clear that sorcery is calling on the name of someone else for power. And it is associated with the occult. It is associated with the demonic. And so these people are saying, when I looked at my life, I realized that some things that I had were evil. Some things in my life needed to change. And therefore, this is a public act of their transformation. It is them saying that even though I paid in an all total 50,000 drachma, a lot of money for all of these scrolls here, it is more important that I change. It is more important that I get more of Jesus and less of this in my life. And so it says the word, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. After all this happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. After I have been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. He sent two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, to Macedonia, while he stayed in the province of Asia a little longer. So Paul is getting ready to leave. He's been in Ephesus for two years. He wants to travel around and see some of the other churches, and then he wants to head back to Jerusalem. About this time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. And we should pause here. This is the second time in this chapter we've called Christianity the way. Remember, that is a term that is used at this time, because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The shorthand form of what we would call Christian now, or Christianity, is the way. So at that time there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in no little business for the craftsmen. He called them together, along with the workmen in related trades, and said, "'Men, you know we receive a good income from this business.' And you see and hear that this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and practically the whole province of Asia. He says that man-made gods are no gods at all. There is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great god Artemis will be discredited and the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty." When they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia, and rushed as one man into the theater. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples would not let him. Even some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theater. The assembly was in confusion, some of them shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people did not even know why they were there. The Jews pushed Alexander to the front, and some of the crowd shouted instructions to him. He motioned for silence in order to make a defense before the people, but when they realized he was a Jew, they all shouted in unison for about two hours, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. The city clerk quieted the crowd and said, Men of Ephesus, doesn't all the world know the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image, which fell from heaven? Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to be quiet and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, though they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess. If, then, Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. They can press charges. If there's anything further you want to bring up, it must be settled in a legal assembly. 
As it is, we are in danger of being charged with rioting because of today's events. In that case, we would not be able to account for this commotion, since there is no reason for it. After he said this, he dismissed the assembly. So this riot breaks out in Ephesus. You can still go to the theater in Ephesus where the rioting happens, where people were shouting for two hours, great as Artemis of the Ephesians. So to put this in perspective, Ephesus is an important city because it has this temple, this temple to Artemis. It is one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. So when they put together the list of the seven places you really ought to see, including the great pyramids and the lighthouse at Alexandria, one of them was this temple. And it was very good for business. Did you notice that Demetrius's problem is mostly commercial? Demetrius is saying that I have a vested interest, you have a vested interest, that people come here and they worship Artemis because we make money from it. He has three reasons he believes they should act. It's only when he gets to the third reason does he say anything about Artemis. The first two are basically, our trade will lose its good name. Because this Paul person keeps coming and telling people that man-made gods, the kinds that craftsmen make, are of no use. That these are just silver and gold and wood and stone. That there's no point to them, which Paul certainly believes, and Paul certainly was preaching that. And certainly, certainly this person Demetrius is correct in the sense that in Ephesus nowadays, no one worships those handheld idols and has it for many centuries. That craft was threatened in reality by the faith that was coming in here because people were coming to the realization that there was a true God that they could worship and that there was no point to idols and therefore no reason to buy them. So because they are faced with this challenge to their business, they have this riot and Paul wants to speak. They don't want him to speak. Everybody is saying this is too dangerous. And they shout for two hours until finally the city clerk is able to calm them down and say, there's no point to this. If you have a legal grievance, bring it to the law courts, but we're in danger of getting in trouble with the Romans because we're rioting. And so finally cooler heads prevail after probably everyone else is just too hoarse to raise an objection would be my guess at this point. And before I run out of voice, that will wrap up this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to send me an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or better yet, leave a comment at thebiblestudypodcast.com where other people can also see it. Thanks so much for listening. Hello, hello, Quinice Petway here, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. Are you someone who loves to take a deep dive into God's word, one verse at a time to explore his will for your life and desire to draw closer to him? If that sounds like you, I'd love to invite you to head over to lifeaudio.com and search Your Daily Bible Verse to tune in and subscribe for daily inspiration, life application, and spiritual transformation through the in-depth exploration of God's Word.